0: Accelerating Careers in Real Estate with Nick Carmen. Brought to you by McDonald and Company. So welcome back to Accelerating Careers Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Carmen. And this evening I'm joined by Patrick Flaton, managing partner for Avignon Capital, a real estate investment and asset management firm creating and driving opportunities in the European real estate market. So, Patrick, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: You're more than welcome. I'm uh, very pleased to be here, uh,
0: Nick. So, let's get us started, Patrick. Where does Chapter One begin?
1: I think Chapter One starts as always, being a young boy and and think about uh, what is my future and what do I want to do with my future. And for me, it was pretty clear on a very early early stage in my life. I was a son, or and a son of a, a general contractor. My father had a building company, and as long as I can remember, every holiday, every period when I'm not going to school, I was always uh, helping my dad in the, in his company and learned the the value of, of building something and creating something. And I've always enjoyed that. And I always saw the opportunity to 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 create value. And I think that's something I took, uh, yeah, which I embraced. I think that's the best word to say it. And until today, and that's still what I really would like to do is. Can we create something can we create value and um, if you can do so then uh, yeah you, you create also value in your own personal life and Patrick where where did that young boy grow up I grew up in uh, in The Hague which is in the Netherlands um, this is uh, one of the bigger cities in, in the Netherlands and um, I started my career in the Netherlands as well I, uh, after uh, after school I went to uh, working for a company called Kushmin Wakefield Helium Baker. Uh, today's uh, probably better known on the name Cushman Wakefield which I started in their uh, real estate department uh, for a couple of years and uh, yeah, did uh, everything uh, a young boy did uh, back in the day and uh, and learning the uh, the corporate life and, and, and the corporate element of uh, working in the real estate sector Well
0: you, you touched on the key word there about learning so tell us a little bit about what, what you learned about yourself in those very early days
1: I think I learned a couple of things. Um, I've learned what I want and I've learned what I don't want. And if I focus on the first part, one thing is, was very clear for me, I definitely made the right choice in uh, working in, in the real estate uh, environment. Until today, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's uh, uh, it's not as static as everybody thinks the real estate world is. The real estate world is very dynamic and it's it's moving right now. And I think you have, you have, I've seen moving over the last 20 years, not only from a very slow part in how we work with, with real estate, but also the use of real estate these days. And I think if you compare it today, what is the use of real estate compared to 20, 25 years ago, it's a completely different ball game. So that is one thing I really learned that I took the right decision in being active in, in this asset class. And the other thing, what I've learned, which I didn't like so much, is working in a huge corporate environment where there's not always room to deploy your own creativity and and develop your own entrepreneurial skills. And I think that is something I think bigger companies definitely need to embrace is the capability of young people, um, skilled people, professionals, to uh, develop themselves much faster. And if you compare, for example, with, let's say, a soccer player, the biggest learning period in, in their career is, let's say, from 18 to 25, because that goes in fast forward. And if you don't encourage young people to do so, uh, then then the light goes out after a certain moment. And I think that's something I really didn't enjoy in working in the corporate companies that you're boxed in. And I think that's what I always kept in mind. And if I'm running my company and my teams, I always try to encourage young people to think outside the box, making mistakes, learn from the mistakes, but also keep moving forward. I think that's something we now, and and now I'm middle-aged, we need to keep in mind and and keep encouraging young people to do so.
0: Well, I think it's a really valuable lesson for the guys listening to this is, is, the sooner you can understand about sort of what works for you and what doesn't work for you, the better. So once you've learned that valuable lesson then uh, at Cushman's, what came next? How did you you manage to apply that to the the next chapter? Yeah, at
1: that stage, um, I teamed up with uh, these days a very good friend, but back in the day, uh, one of my previous uh, clients, uh, which uh, took me uh, under his wings, and we started setting up uh, several uh, companies, and which we were able to build up to, uh, to flourish and, uh, and, and and creating access, etc. But the most important thing, what I also said, is that he, was, he is a couple years older than I am, but he really mentored me through hard times. And if you have a person where you can rely on, which is able to forgive your mistakes, but also give you the space to learn from your, mis- your mistakes and repair it, then you can really thrive. And that's the same with real estate is n- nothing is fixed. Sometimes we think that a real estate asset is a fixed element. Well, it's always moving, but you need to see it and understand it to really see that it's moving. And And I think that's something we as, as, as people, we are created to be dynamic. We are not a st- an static element in this world. And, and that's how we also need to work with, with 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 property as well. It's a dynamic thing. And we need to put energy in a dynamic thing to get energy out. And that's what I always tell my team. Is it doesn't matter if it's the property manager, or an asset manager, or an investment manager. Guys, Yeah, you're buying, you can potentially say, if you really skim it down to the elements, four walls. But with these four walls, you can do so much. And it's your vision. With the team's vision, etc. what you can create out of it. And I think that's, that's for me, one of the most, most important lessons I've learned in the early stage of my career is give it enough energy to, to get all the energy out of it, what you need. It's, it's, it's for me, that's the, one of the basic elements in, in life. Energy in is energy out.
0: Well, I, I, uh, I can guarantee them we're going to be in for some really good sort of lessons here, Patrick, during this episode. Um, just tell me a bit more about what were the businesses you were involved in during this period you know what was what was their you know their mandate what were they what were they focused on
1: yeah we we, we are focusing in developing uh, in new concepts uh, one thing uh, i always and still find very interesting is we were focusing on developing a concept and I'm, I'm seeking the right english translation for it but let me let me describe what it was because there's no direct english word for it but in Holland, we, we don't or we didn't have the system of reverse mortgage. That means that a lot of the so-called elderly people, 50 years and older, were stone rich but cash poor. So they didn't have the opportunity to capitalize their wealth because it's all fixed in the houses. And that's that means that they were still suffering on a day-to-day basis to do the necessary things, but also they were not able to create some luxury for themselves in in and be decorating the house, going on a big holiday, et cetera, because all their wealth was fixed in the house. So we were thinking outside of the box with a couple of partners, how can we release this wealth if it's not coming from a banking product? Because back in the day, the banks were not open to this reverse mortgage system. What can we do as real um, estate entrepreneurs? So we came up with a concept that we were buying the houses for them they kept co-ownership, we give them a bit of cash relief, etc. And we we try to guide them all the way up to the moment that they don't want to live in the house anymore. And I think we did it with implementing pop tech solutions, thinking about out-of-the-box solutions. So I think that was a really good example of thinking outside of the box, seeing a challenge and how can you overcome this challenge in finding a potential solution. And yeah, that that that. It went really well and we were able to uh, to execute that and uh, and move on.
0: So Patrick, what was the name of this company we're, de- we're describing now?
1: Yeah, we called it in Dutch the Versilvermai, for for but in English we're be using the, the phrase uh, Silverline, the Silverline Fund. And um, okay. yeah, we were able to, uh, what I said earlier, to execute uh, our plans and one stage to uh, the exit as well. And after the exit, uh, me and my business partner decided uh, moving uh, moving forward and uh he was focusing more on, let's say, the, the financial part of the real estate world. He set up a, a big mortgage company and I was focusing more on, let's say, hardcore real estate and, and asset. And uh, we split ways. And I said what I said earlier, we still were, uh, we're still friends as of today. And that was also for me time to move on to uh, the next chapter in life. And yeah, my next chapter became uh, being the managing partner of a company called uh, Avenue Capital.
0: Well before we get into Avignon a silver line sort of came around when you're sort of what 10 12 years into that career so I'm cu- I'm curious now you've you've lived that life as the entrepreneur for at least the last 8 yeah. 9 years having started off from Cushmans what did you notice changed about you you know what were the big lessons you learned during that during that part
1: I think what for me the most important lesson was that I gained confidence and I was realizing that I was not that young boy anymore, but I became a man as well. And I need to take my own responsibility to move on. And um, that gave me a very good feeling on one side. And of course, also a bit of anxiety on the other side. Because, yeah, you always worked with uh, with a partner, which was mentoring and always support. But I also felt it was it was important for me to move on. Uh, Sometimes I'm using the metaphor of a young lion and an old lion. And you know that at one stage, the young lion needs to step out of the shade of of the old lion and and create his own kingdom. And that was, for me, a decision. Okay, I've done it now for 10, 12, 13, 14 years. I can't really recall how much time. And I was ready for, uh, for my new chapter, for my new adventure. And I also decided that my new adventure was not only in the Netherlands anymore, and I want to do something international. And yeah, there was always a, a dream of mine and it was time to do so. And yeah, with, with team up with, uh, back in the day, uh, the team of Avignon, I was able to uh, to do so. And, and yeah, that's one of the best periods in, in, in my life so far. And uh, I think that was, that was great to see.
0: Well, before we get into that, I've got one last question then. Of course. I, I asked you about the confidence you had as that 23, 24-year-old who left the big corporate and went to go start a, start a life as an entrepreneur. And now, 10, 12 years on, you're separating from your, your then uh, mentor and deciding to do uh, something new again. Which, which was the most daunting challenge? The one faced by the 24-year-old or the one faced by, what, early 30-year-old?
1: That's a very interesting question, Nick, and it almost comes back to <laughs> my personality. And on one side, I would say, potentially, as a young boy, uh, that was the biggest step. But when you're young, you're not afraid and you just do it and you you've got nothing to lose. And you don't think about tomorrow, you think about today. So I think after 10 years working with somebody, I think for me, the bigger step was the last step. But it also gave me the thing what was needed for me at that stage of, of, of my life that I, I really want to explore further and see what can I do on my own and where, what, what can I do with my life? And, and it's almost like letting go. is release yourself in a positive way.
0: Fascinating. Well, then let's get into the Avignon story then. Um, so tell us, you've introduced the business, you've told us now this is, this is a more tangible real estate asset management business. We're talking about sort of a Euro- European base. How did those first few years go?
1: Yeah, that, that, was, that, was, uh, that was really cool, I have to say. Uh, also a balancing act. We like I said, Avenue was, uh, was a very young, young company with uh, a small base and with a strong ambition to grow. And we had to develop the company uh, uh, in a much faster pace than it did uh, before that. And personally, uh, I moved the uh, house uh, to London, um, but my family stayed in the Netherlands. So I flew every m- Monday to London and flew back on on Friday evening and spending five days by yourself in, in London, focusing on work, but also leaving your, your family uh, <laughs> back home in the Netherlands. And yeah, you try to find the balance. On uh, one side, you think it's, it's good for me because I needed that challenge. And hopefully, if, if, if I was able to fulfill my personal dream, then I also became a better person, a better husband, a better father. And, of course, uh, you're fulfilling your professional uh, ambition. So it, was, it's, it is and was a balancing act. Why London? Yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, I think London is, uh, let's say, the business capital of, of Europe. Uh, for me london is the the best city in the world uh, it, it covers everything history the professionals the access to to clients the access to the outside world and 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 also the the, the beat i think the heartbeat of london is where people can thrive on and so i would encourage every young person go work in in a city like london uh, once in your life because it really helps you developing it it's it's sometimes it is a red race and sometimes it's a very nice village and finding that balance between the professional red race and, and, and try to move up in your career and, and finding that that rest and that peace in London as well. I think that is something is pretty unique in London if you compare that to, for example, New York or Hong Kong, where everything is a red race and it's very, very hard to find the balance, and I think that's something makes which, which makes uh, London very, very unique. So, how did these first few years go then for everyone?
0: What was what was the biggest challenge? Would you say in um, in let's say twenty sixteen to uh, 2018, 2019, Those first two or three years.
1: Yeah, I, I think for me, let's say sixteen to let's say early twenty, that was that was an, an amazing journey and realizing that we had everything. Everything, all the stars were in our favor. Uh, the market was there. The clients were there. I had a great team to work with. And we were just keep moving up uh, the ladder. And we were able to expand, expand, and expand. And I have to say, of course, we did a, a couple of things very good within the company. But I also have to be very realistic that the market was also in our favor. And I think what I said till January, February 2020, it, it, it was a very interesting, positive time and of course uh, in march uh, 2020 we were hit by covid and that changed i don't want to say everything but a lot of things
0: well then tell us then during during that post of 2020 doing you know, we've introducing now into the into the pandemic recent memory for for all of our audience what were the yeah. particular challenges then for for you
1: i think that the uh, the most important things for me if i can split it in in a couple of things uh nick uh one thing of course being the ceo of a company i need to take care of my staff. i need to make take care is that uh, my staff stays healthy i keep the company going on and also dealing with a lot of uncertainty and if you're managing a team a lot of these young people or let's say the entire team looks at you what is our guidance how do we get out of this and There there were no playbooks for this and and you tried to deal with everything you had to sort it out and with all the dignity you you have to to get this uh, this done. But it was challenging because it was also new for me and and it it, it requires a lot of leadership skills. But yeah, that was interesting from, from that perspective. So Again, very interesting learning point. And then, of course, you're dealing with with your clients, with the banks, etc. Because we have invested their money in a lot of assets, and a lot of our assets were hotels. And I think it's pretty obvious uh, what happened with our hotel assets and and the and the, the challenge we were facing back in the day. And I, I still remember, I think one Monday, I think uh, in April May 2020, that we received the um, the numbers of our hotel occupation that weekend That was literally zero so we had not one room occupied and then thinking oh this is uh, this is bad and then you need to work with your clients and give them the confidence that we as uh, a team know what to do that we can guide them out of this this crisis we can protect their interest and make sure the, um, that we find a creative way to get new income or uh, work with them as well and yeah and that was, that was very challenging, uh, Nick. What did you learn about yourself as a leader
0: during that time in particular?
1: What I've learned uh, is that um, being open and being transparent that you don't have the answer on everything, that worked really well. And you can try to hide that you know everything what you're doing and, or pretend, but people are too smart and they will see it through. If you just tell them, guys, I don't have the answer, but I will do everything in my power to find the answer and guide you through, I think that was, that was important. What also, I also said is that I will promise you, and, and promise is, of course, is a big word, but also promise to keep everybody on board during that time. And I think that's what we uh, were able to do so. And with staying that in the very early stage of the crisis, it gives the... the the team, my staff, the comfort to focus on the client's requirements and on the client's assets instead of focusing on their own personal circumstances. And keep in mind that everybody, including probably you, Nick, and myself, we're focusing on what is the impact uh, on your own personal life. And they were dealing with with, with people they love, they were dealing with people who are infected or, or sick, etc. And, and potentially even worse. But I try to move away the element of uncertainty in their job. Okay.
0: Let's bring ourselves right up to the present day, Patrick. What's the, what's the state of play with Avion at the moment? How many people are in the business? How many assets under management? What's, you know, give us some numbers.
1: Yeah. Now, Avion is currently active in, uh, in four countries. Uh, we are active in the UK, the Netherlands, Germany, and uh, Portugal. And we focus on, on the major cities and we focus on three major strategies in every country we got an office so we got an office in London, Manchester, uh, Waterdam and Berlin and we believe in full service and that means that we have people on the ground in every country which can do everything. So we have investment managers all the up to accountants and everything in the, in between and that's the only thing I believe in if you want to service your your clients, you need to be able to find everything what they want, and you need to be a one-stop uh, shop. And that one-stop shop always worked for us. And uh, we know what we can, and we know what we can't. And if we are very focused on on three major strategies. And That is until today uh, our main focus.
0: Okay. In a moment, I'm going to ask you about what's what's next. You know, what are you looking forward to the most? But before I do that, I just want to introduce a question from one of our listeners.
1: Hi, my name is Rebecca Agumadede
0: and I wanted to ask how has technology impacted the real estate industry during your career and what technologies do you believe will play a crucial role in shaping its future? Thank you.
1: I, that's a very interesting uh, question, Nick, and that's uh, right up to, uh, to my sleeve. I believe that uh, PropTech is one of the biggest disruptors in, uh, in real estate in the next coming years. It's slowly introduced uh, and sometimes we as real estate people not realizing how important PopTech is. And let me give you an example is, if you look today at, at a building and just, let's say your office, a lot of people just see it as an office with four walls where people working inside and doing their own thing and you as a tenant pay the rent and the landlord is collecting the rent and is repaying the mortgage. But I also believe that this asset is a lot, a m- much more than just a building where people work and somebody's paying the rent. I see this as a huge data warehouse. And if we can understand clearly what's happening in this so-called data warehouse, this data is very valuable. So potentially, and that's something I really believe in, in 10, 15, 20 years from now, The question should be, are we still paying rent or not? Or we just say to the landlord, I'm willing to share my data with you because that data is valuable. Just let me give you a very stupid small example. Everything these days, all the big tech companies are focusing on ads, advertising, uh, access to people is is crucial for them. They want to know who is my target audience. Probably the same with your podcast, Nick. You want to know who's listening to this podcast. And why are they listening? But there's always an element, a very stupid element within the building. And just imagine yourself, Nick, you're walking from your office to the coffee machine. You're standing in front of the coffee machine for 10, 15, 20 seconds and just staring at the coffee machine. At that moment, you're open to receive something which is pushed towards you. You either watch on your phone, uh, on your Instagram. Or you look at the coffee machine and potentially something there's a pop-up which shows an ad and something which you want to push people. Is that pop tech? Is that fintech? Is that you name it? But I believe that this kind of new things, how you move on, is going to change. With the new way of working, where you already see that for a lot of people, it's it's a big struggle to go back to the office. Um, Company leaders and staff always debating how much time do I need to be in the office, that tech is going to facilitate that much more and trying to find the balance between how much you need to be physically present and how much can I do? And that's another element, which is really crucial in PopTech is, how do we work with ESG, sustainability? And therefore I think that tech is potentially, and i don't want to say the solution, but it's going to be a big part of 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 real estate in the next uh, decades.
0: Well, that is a fantastic and fascinating perspective, Patrick. Let's turn our attention now from looking backwards to looking forwards. What's the future for you and Avignon?
1: I think the future of of every asset management slash investment company on the short term is focusing on the assets they have today. Uh, You see that the market is one side, you can say it's pretty unstable because nothing's nothing happening and and what's the interest rates going to do. But you also see that there's not a lot of deal flow. So there is a moment in time, the next 6 to 18 months, where I don't foresee a lot of deal flow or or deals going to happen. Everybody is going to focus on what's going to happen in this market. So for every asset manager, including Avion, it will be extremely important to focus on the assets they have today, equating value, minimizing the risk of, of losing value, uh, refinancing challenges, et cetera. And therefore, a strong asset management team and asset management play is crucial. And that always comes back What I started uh, this podcast where is, where can you create value and think out of the box? And that's something that needs to happen again today. Where can we see opportunity in something we have today? And can we look at it from a different perspective? Instead of always thinking, in, in, let's say, with a, a bit of a tunnel vision, you, you need to think out of the box how to create value. Because offices, in the way how we use offices, is going to change. Uh, you get hotelification in offices. Uh, how we do with, with, with residential, there's a huge demand in VESI. How do we work with that? So commercial solutions like co-living, micro-living, is getting crucial. And we need to embrace those things to move on. And that's something I think for everyone as well is keep dancing on your front feet and try to find the best way uh, forward. And, and that's working closely with your clients and, and, and closely with, with the knowledge you have internally. And if you don't have it internally, try to find the right partners to do so. And um, and, and asset management will be extremely important.
0: So, Patrick, one last question. now. People in your peer group are often very, very good at spotting at what they're very good at and also what they're not so good at. So what I wanted to ask you about was what is the lesson or what is the skill that you're most keen to improve on?
1: So if if I can answer your question, not directly, but maybe indirectly, Nick, uh, if you allow me to do so, I would probably say is that accept that you're not good in everything. And if you accept that, then you know, where your weaknesses are and find people uh, around you who are much better in doing so. Because what I've learned uh, Nick in my life is it's very hard to improve things which you don't like because you don't want to spend energy on it. It's much easier to improve your positive things because that gives joy. And if you can focus on the things you enjoy, you can develop that skill much better. And using a metaphor, are we trying to learn and a, a, a Harry Kane to be a defender? Or we give Harry Kane the team he needs to be the best offense player uh, in the world? And I believe the latter is more important because it's impossible to be good in everything. But the most important thing is surround you with people who cover your weaknesses and uh, can focus on their strengths. And if you can do so, they are creating the best team. And for me, being a leader, that's the most important thing is know your strengths, know your weaknesses, surround you with the right people who are uh, offset offsetting your weaknesses and then, then you can flourish.
0: Well, Patrick, thank you so much. You, often you've surprised me by the way in which you've answered questions and sort of taken um, shared with me a completely different perspective. So thank you so much for that. And no doubt our audience has really enjoyed it.
1: Thanks, Nick.